Welcome to the VSA Tech and Transitional Energy podcast on Thursday, the 12th of May. This is David Scriven and uh, Phil Smith. Phil, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much, David. Great to talk to you. It's a pleasure, sir. To start, we'll focus on the news and then have a discussion at the end on the tricky environment we're currently in. So if you could kindly lead us off with the renewables, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll do, David. I mean, I, I don't saw this week, but um, apparently this was an article that was in Recharge that I picked up on, is that uh, BP is, is going to take a major stake in the Asia Renewable Energy Hub. Uh, and it's a huge project. It's in Australia. Um, and this is to produce green hydrogen from wind and solar. Uh, and it says that BP are taking a 30% stake in that. Uh, and the project is uh, is poised to tap some like 16 gigawatts of, of, of onshore wind. Um, and we'll see an increasing amount of news, obviously, from the oil majors on on renewables. Um, and this has been followed by Shell, uh, you know, another UK, uh, UK stock. And it's uh, Shell today announcing that it's promising to install 50,000 EV charge points across the UK by 2030. Well, that's only in eight years time. Um, but, uh, you know, the UK is just to put that into scale. The UK currently has around 30,000 charging points. So th that's going to be very, very welcome news for a lot of EV owners, I am sure, because the um, charging capacity has been uh, one of the, the big bugbears. So that's uh, two of our big oil majors getting, you know, with news on renewables. Um, also of note, I think this week was um, from the International Energy Agency, the IEA, who track um, global data on renewables. And they said that renewable power capacity uh, hit a record of just under 300 gigawatts in 2021. Um, and this year, that's expected to rise to uh, with, with 320 gigawatts installed. Um, of solar, mainly solar and PV, and of course, when we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, um, you know, the solar in particular needs battery storage to go with that. So, you know, renewable capacity um, set to increase there. But they also cautioned on 2023 renewables, saying that they needed to see more, um, you know, announcements from governments um, of initiatives. On this, and they saw, you know, installations plateauing. And then, just quickly on on that, and on government issues of renewables, and this will affect transitional energy companies without doubt. Is that the EU's already said it wants to speed up the blocks uh, green transition. Um, obviously, part of that's due to geopolitical issues and dependency on gas. Um, so that is, you know, could be positive for the sector. And we've already seen Germany, David, have said that they're earmarking additional two hundred billion dollars. Uh, to fund um, you know, industrial transformation between now and 2026, again, only four years ago, uh, and that includes climate protection hydrogen. So that's, you know, just looking at the sector uh, on transitional energy. Those sorts of announcements are actually all very positive news. Um, and that kind of leads us in to um, some of our company uh, comments uh, and on the subject of, of battery and battery storage technology, David, I think you would like to talk about Ilica, who had yes. an update this week. 
Yeah, indeed I will. <clears throat> and just before I launch into Elika, I was just say on your observations, as you say, the trends are very favourable. But by the same token, you know, we, we do need as fast as we possibly can speed up the process or encourage the process to gain even stronger momentum. Um, but um, hopefully that will be the case. Anyways, um, in terms of Ilica, we had a trading update and notice of results, uh, trading in line at 500k and EBITDA loss of 7 uh, million. But I just backspace a little bit here because following a capital market state, which was basically the end of last year, and uh, 50 million worth of investment to advance Sterex manufacturing. This is, of course, the micro solid state batteries to process and production qualification. The eye catcher was the comments on Sterex manufacturing to quote, it's taking longer than anticipated to ensure that product batches batches reproducibly meet specification. Demand now weighted to miniature medical device applications. Now, these applications have a longer regulatory cycle compared to what I thought to be one of the key focus being industrial and the Internet of Things. Uh, the shift in this weighting to customer demand uh, towards medical device applications, combined with the expectation of optimization cycles continuing into H223, means the company now expects commercial sales to commence at the end of that period, so later than originally expected. So the shares are under quite some pressure here, having halved, halved since February and actually down 70% since that capital markets day. However, I do note that uh, the company does have 23 million of cash as at the 30th of April, as at least a, a kind of a balance sheet backstop here. So, uh, Phil, if I could hand on to you for your thoughts on idea, Jen. Yeah, well, let's just moving on to uh, from sort of uh, transitional energy onto uh, onto tech. Um, idea, Jen, the ticker is IDEA, and the market cap now is a billion pounds. Um, it has been bid for, uh, and this is a software company that uh, that sells into the regulatory and the compliance markets. Uh, 5,000 clients, uh, and this is across accounting, defense, aerospace, pharmaceuticals, a great spread of, of end customers for the business, and, it, and it sells into blue chip brands. Um, now, here's a classic on sort of valuation. Um, you know, bear in mind, this has had a bid, right? The share, so the shares today are three, 350p um, around the bid price. Um, but, you know, they've fallen um, from 320p in September to 196p in March uh, 2022. And they raised 100 million at 270p only in December. So, you know, clearly external parties have been watching IdeaGen, which is a high quality business, and watching its valuation. Uh, and it's had a bid from um, HG, uh, who are a very well-known software services investor. Um, and it's for the entire issue. So this is a complete bid. Uh, and what they've said is IdeaGen, um, that uh, they, the directors intend to recommend unanimously uh, that shareholders vote in favour. Uh, of, of that acquisition uh, from HG, and I think it's at 350p. I'm sure someone will correct me if I am wrong. Uh, it's also said that it's still in discussions with French P firm Astorg, uh, who have been granted access for due diligence, but, you know, in classic, they've said there's no certainty a firm offer will be made, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so the 350p and the valuation. So it's a billion uh, value of the company at a billion pounds. Uh, and the company today's issued a trading update, and it says its revenues expect to be up 41% to 92 million pounds. Uh, the adjusted EBITDA up 33% to 30 million. So, and that's for a full year ended April. So very high margins there. Uh, in terms of good high margins in terms of EBITDA margin, very strong growth. Clearly, HG are prepared to pay for that. Um, and at that price, David, it's trading on an EV uh, revenue multiple of 11 times, falling to nine times on forecast and a P of 49 times, falling to 41 times. So, and this is on estimated earnings growth of about 18% consensus on Bloomberg. Um, my word, you know, you would say that looks, that's clearly expensive, but clearly there's, you know, there's long-term value in this given that, strength of the customer base, the profit it makes for the business, the rate of growth. But it can show sometimes how the equity markets can get it wrong. And especially, you know, as we go through tougher times, which we will talk about uh, in the markets and valuations come off and we'll be trying to spot companies which we think will stay the course um, and come out of the other end in in uh, in good shape and probably take a better share within it. But we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, right, quickly, another company that had uh, had results this week was Cerulean uh, Telco Billing Systems. <clears throat> Again, one we've discussed before. Ticker CER market caps two hundred seventeen million. Uh, it had interims, and they had said that um, you know, telecoms billing systems they're seeing um, sales grow driven by particular investment in five G. Um, so that was all quite positive. The revenue was up by 26% for the half, uh, and that dropped through very strongly to profitability with EBITDA up by 50%. But, David, I noticed when reading this that they were saying that new orders were down um, year on year to 10.9 million from a high of uh, 23.6 in the prior half. But the overall pipeline had increased. So it's a bit of a mixed message here. And they also said that the level of new orders from existing customers, that had increased and that rose by 12%. So, you know, I think that we'll be looking for more progress on order books for this one. Um, because if you look at the forecast there for revenue to rise from 26 million to 31 million. Um, so, you know, investors will be looking at the order books on this, this closely. Nonetheless, this is one that's made uh, consistent progress and has been a very good performer. Indeed. That leads me quickly into Gresham Technologies. Um, and it's a GHT, 137 million market cap. Again, this is it. This is their software automates banking controls, processes, you know, reconciliations of accounts. Uh, they have risk and compliance systems, a good broad uh, based financial software company, 270 customers across 30 customer, uh, countries, international spread. So that's all good stuff. And they announced a new customer win, and they had said that uh, it's uh, they got a win for their software with an existing tier one bank customer for six million pounds. So a bit of positive progress there. This is a good one to look at. Um, it's on EV revenue multiple of three times, one to 2.8, and EV bit dial 14 times falling to 12 times. So that's one that I think I will be taking uh, taking a closer look at. Uh, and another one, which I thought was, this this is really interesting. 
There's an update on trading from SDI Group, David. I don't know if you've come across SDI before. Tickers SDIS, 170 million market cap, and they make uh, scientific instruments. Have you come across this one, David, before at all? I haven't, so I'm interested to learn more. Right, well, let me tell you more. I always like these types of companies as an analyst because they're what they call portfolio companies. It's whereby they have technologies, range of technologies and brands in tech that address specific end markets. Um, and their range of, of uh, particularly they have imaging tech, sensing uh, technology and control technology, and they address a broad range of markets, life sciences, healthcare, astronomy, particularly digital imaging, uh, manufacturing, um, you know, precision optics markets. So a nice broad range of end markets as we may get into more challenging uh, economic conditions and a broad range of products as well. Uh, and they came out with a statement saying that revenue and profit for the year is up to materially exceed current market expectations. Very good. Um, so sales expect to be 49 million, uh, and that's 20% organic growth. And they had 19% organic growth in the prior year, uh, and adjusted profits before tax of at least 10.5 million, and it was 7.4 million in the year before. So that was very, uh, that, that was nice and positive. Um, and it's trading on a EV revenue multiple 3.4, 3.1. So uh, again, I'll have a look at that. And then I guess finally, David, for me, conscious of time, uh, is concurrent technologies, particularly CNC. Uh, there are no estimates out for this in the market at the moment. We'll get on to that, why that might be. Um, it's 64 million market cap, and it has cash of 11. million and no debt. Uh, they have full year numbers out. Um, to December 21. Now, what do they do? They make, uh, concurrent technologies make um, computer uh, central processing unit boards. I mean, what are they? These are computer, basically computer boards. I mean, your PC has a computer board in it with a processor in it, being Intel or AMD. They make those boards using Intel technology. However, these are very advanced uh, Intel processors that go onto them, and the applications are likewise uh, very demanding. Um, so they, their computer boards are used in defense, telecommunications, aerospace, transport, scientific applications. So applications where it's uh, you know heavy duty computer computing horsepower that's needed. Um, and they said that they're uh, looking at the annual revenues, basically flats, 21 million falling to 20.5 million for the full year. The EBITDA is steady at 5 million. Profit before tax was up. Uh, from 2.8 to 3.5 million, and their dividend per share was like 2.6 piece. That's flat. But what was interesting all this is a couple of things are interesting. Number one, it has cash. Number two, it has a new management team in. Three, it's a well-established brand in its market, and it has broad end markets. That's all of note. Um, but they have said, bearing in mind they are using semiconductors on their products and PCBs, a lot of hardware, that they are taking a cautious approach to revenue and profit during 2022 due to uncertainty around um, speed of return to normal trading post-COVID, but also in light of difficulties in the global supply chain. And of course, they're all well documented when it comes to semiconductors. Um, and so that could impact when they ship and produce and recognize revenue. So this one, the shares have come off. But as I say, I point to a new management team 
and cash on the balance sheet and the spread of customers. So uh, one that's um, perhaps maybe having near term difficulty, but may present uh, a you know, longer term opportunity. We shall see. There we are. So that's the company updates, David. And I'm sure of lots of interest to investors is the markets, because clearly they have been very turbulent uh, over recent days. Indeed, indeed. And first of all, thank you for your very uh, interesting comments on those uh, particular companies and uh, well worth having a look at all of them from the different aspects that you've been highlighting. I would just quickly throw in on uh, SDI Group. They've also got a decent balance sheet. Um, look like at uh, interims net cash or, or cashless bank debt increased to 1.1 million as at uh, uh, 31st of October from 0.8 um, in April of uh, 21. So um, that's another, another little thing maybe to add to that story. And yes, the general markets, my goodness me, is it tricky. And, um, you know, wh wh what have we got? Well, we've got all these worries relating to interest rates, recession fears, inflation, and all these forces are, are, are working against you. So, you know, what, what does one do? Well, I think personally, you know, you look at the, you look in the tech world and you, you are now some what you feel is good themes and, and, and those that have got longevity and uh, sustainability. So areas like cybersecurity, clean tech, 5G, uh, data center capex and AI are, I think those ones that fit in, excuse me, to that good theme um, uh, look. But um, if you start breaking it down and you look at software and semis, which if you were running a tech portfolio, are going to comprise a fairly significant part of your portfolio. If you look at the chart technicals, you know, the socks, etc., uh, they do not look favorable in the short term. Um, having said that, looking at individual companies, some of the companies that have been sort of generally holding up a little bit better um, have been names like Microsoft, Broadcom, Texas Instruments, um, and those that have not have been in the areas like for companies like Amazon, Shopify, and those names that are raising concerns on higher multiples, um, European exposure, uh, consumer exposure, and those companies that, uh, that have got logistical cost pressures, so uh, suffering from the inflation there. So I sort of sit back and look at this in this tricky environment. I think to myself, well, what, what, would, I, what would I do? And I think, for, particularly for our high net worth, uh, clientele, I'd be favouring uh, dividend plays. And um, for that group of our clients, sort of closed-end funds, and uh, I particularly like the dividend heroes. I mean, City of London has had 55 years of increasing dividends and yields just under 5%, so they're 4.8%. Now, I can sort of hear you saying in the background, well, hang on a minute, David, you're talking about the tech world, and this is all about uh, a focus on growth. And, and of course, you're absolutely right. So that then defaults me by talking of closed end funds at looking at Polar Technology Trust. And of course, it has no yield. However, what I do really find quite interesting is that when you look at the benchmark performance and what you find is that, you know, you're looking for 10, 5, 3 years or so, the NAV growth has outpaced the benchmark whereas that hasn't necessarily been the case in the share price. And that comes down to the structure of closed-end funds, which you don't need to go into details about premiums and discounts. However, I do point out within that context, 
that Polar now is trading at a 10 year record discount of 16%. Normally it's around about 3%. So maybe that is, uh, you know, a fund that one uh, you should you should take a look at and see if you feel comfortable that it might present an interesting entry point for you. Now, going on to particularly individual names, um, you can get yields of 2% plus in the tech world from names like Broadcom, Texas Instruments, Taiwan Semi. Uh, now, these yields are more elevated in the transitional energy world with names like renewables infrastructure, which has uh, got a yield of, say, circa 5%, Greencoat UK Wind, which is 45 and hit an all-time high on the 3rd of uh, May, and Gresham Energy, which is um, also in that kind of region of yields. So I guess um, with, um, you know, those uh, technical charts, that you look on a number of indices, ETFs and companies, um, not giving you a clear picture of where these groups may settle down, I would then default to uh, particularly these areas of uh, the transitional energy names that I've just mentioned a second or two ago, and uh, those companies with dividends, with those companies that you know can generate sustainable dividends. So I don't know how you feel, Phil, but that's where I'd sort of um, suggest people um, look. Yeah, no, yeah. It's a, it's a fascinating view, David. And um, you know, we, we've talked. In fact, we have to. Andrew and I have talked about uh, a number of those funds actually, uh, and interesting to see what they do, they do yield. And it is oh, look, it's it's volatile times. So you know, we're looking for companies that are robust that have got stronger balance sheets that you, you know, that you know can come. Have got decent brands, good breadth of customer, and can come through a come through a potential downturns the same way I mean I did that as an analyst when we're going you know post Lehman's when valuations got really really hitting the markets but but it's also a good time to focus on divvies uh, in particular and the ability to uh, to pay out so um, some yeah thank you for that Dave some very good ideas there for investors my pleasure sir so I think uh, thank you for your wise counsel and I think um, we will wrap it up here and um, Look forward to the next podcast with your good self in uh, next week. I look forward to it very much, David.